You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Philip Jordan Show. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of Dutton Woods Football on 96.9, the legend and Auburn writer for last word on college football. On today's show, we'll be talking all things Tennessee Titans with Mike Herndon over at ParkerHarsky.com, where he is a columnist over there. We will discuss all the news that's happened with the Tennessee Titans in the offseason so far. We will talk about was it the right decision? Was it surprising? What was the reasoning for the firing of Mike Vrabel at the end of the season? And is Mike, is he surprised that Coach Vrabel did not land somewhere else in this hiring cycle in the National Football League? We'll talk about new head coach Brian Callahan there with the Titans. Is it concerning that Callahan has never called plays before in his time as an assistant coach? In the National Football League, we'll look at Will Levis, former Kentucky quarterback, of course. He'll be going into year two. What did we see? What needs to be done? What can Callahan do with Will Levis? And also, what should the Tennessee Titans do with the number seven pick in the NFL draft? We'll talk about all that and more on this edition of the Philip Jordan Show. You can check out the Philip Jordan Show podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legend. But Digio Strategies has other options, too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m., and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and Coast to Coast AM keep you company and connected throughout the night. Plus, Fox News, the Alabama Radio Network, and Wiregrass Daily News keep you informed with national, international, state, and local news. And with more musical choices like all the hits, 106.7 KMX, Today's Country 95.5 WTVY, and Music 107.7 Digio Strategies gives you more choices and more variety. Listen on air, online, and on our apps. 96.9 The Legend is just the beginning. All right, buddy. Joining me on the show right now is Mike Herndon. You can check him out covering all things Tennessee Titans over at paulkaharski.com. You can listen to him as a co-host of the podcast, Football and Other F-Words. And, uh, Mike, I appreciate the time. I'm looking forward to uh, talking Titans with you once again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we have a lot of Titans fans down here in this area of Alabama. I'm sure it, I would say it's Derrick Henry related, but I feel like there were Titan fans uh, before uh, in Alabama before that. Just, you know, yeah. just the, the jurisdiction of it. it's kind of a wide range, but sure. it's been an interesting offseason already. Uh, we're not even out of the NFL season with the playoffs and Super Bowl coming up this Sunday, but uh, uh, still interesting offseason so far for the Titans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, uh, the big news being Vrabel uh, being being let go and replaced by Brian Callahan, and um, I, you know, I, that came as a bit of a surprise to me uh, that the, they moved on from Vrabel. I still thought he, and I still do think he's a good football coach. Um, I understand some of the 
you know, the differences in the vision that, that the ownership has. Um, and, and frankly, I support the vision that ownership has as far as taking this team forward into more of the modern NFL as far as a, a focus on the passing game, uh, you know, an embracing of analytics and things like that, just kind of more uh, modernizing of the franchise, uh, I think is probably a good way to put it. And I'm, I'm for that. And I hate that it came at the expense of what I think is a very good football coach, you know? So um, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I'm encouraged by Callahan and everything so far. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be a very interesting transition. You think part of it was too, because, okay, you're looking at a team, okay, Ryan Tannehill, aging quarterback. You've obviously moved on. Will Levis is your future. Derrick Henry, you know, safe to assume he's not going to be on the Titans next year. You got some older players kind of you're looking to transition out of just, okay, let's just, even though, like you said, Mike Vrabel's a tremendous head coach, just kind of transition, as you say, kind of like a, a new era of Titans football. It definitely is kind of a natural transition point for them, given the the composition of the roster. And, and the writing has been kind of on the wall for a while now that this team was headed towards this moment at some point, you know, in the relatively near future. They tried to hold it together as best they could, but – I and mean, you saw the the offensive line. The offensive line had been aging for years. I mean, it, there was one point where, you know, Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, uh, and, and Dennis Kelly were all on the wrong side of 30. So you've got, you know, thir- four 30-year-old-plus offensive linemen in your starting five with Nate Davis being really kind of the only pup in, in the group. Um, you know, you know you're headed towards a big transition there. And, and then the same goes for Tannehill. And then Henry is – you know, he just turned 30, but he's, uh, you know, at running back, 30 is 35, you know, for, for other positions. So um, it's uh, it's definitely a natural transition point for the roster. They're pivoting to Will Levis and, and what the future will hold there. Tajay Spears, obviously, kind of going to be the running back uh, of, the, of the future for this franchise as well. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all goes. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of an out – out with the old and in with the new situation with uh, Tennessee kind of across the board at this point. Yeah, kind of the ultimate way of hitting the reset button if there ever kind of ever was one for a franchise. And with Mike Vrabel, you kind of really good head coach. Uh, I know the last two years with the Titans didn't go well, as you said, aging team. But then first four years, winning seasons. Uh, this team got to the ASC Championship game just a couple of years ago, ran into Patrick Mahomes. How surprised are you that he didn't land somewhere else? I, I'm pretty surprised that he did not get another head coaching job. I, 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 you know, count me among the ones that thought that the minute he was fired, he'd have people lining up to to hire him. Um, I'm surprised it has not gone this way. I'm especially surprised, like someone like Dan Quinn, you know, that that gets a job, but Vrabel does not. That that's pretty shocking to me. Um, and you know, the only thing I can think is that. Maybe some of the stuff with the infighting with ownership and and Carthon and things like that, maybe that kind of information getting out has, you know, soiled his reputation a little bit uh, among the, the the greater NFL market. So, you know, people pay attention to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't want somebody who can't get along with others, can't play nice with others. Uh, in the building because it's it's just toxic for the entire organization. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. But I, I am surprised that he does not have a head coaching job right now. 
And especially when you look at the the last game of the season when they beat Jacksonville, not Jacksonville, out of the postseason, you're seeing a team, look, these were veterans. They just said, okay, our season's over with. We're, we're looking ahead to vacation time, what we're going to do when the se- when we clean out our lockers. That yeah. team came out and played like they were playing for a playoff spot just as much as Jacksonville was. To me, I also look at that like that's a good sign for Coach. I know you talked about the, you know, arguing with the upper management and stuff like that. But still, when you see a team that's out of it, has really nothing to play for, come out and play the way they did that last game of the regular season, that's also got to be a good sign or a positive thing when you look at a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think Vrabel, um, certainly the players wanted to play for him. Uh, You know, there's been some, you know, and to me, I think this is all kind of, you know, revisionist history stuff going on now that people were saying, oh, well, the players didn't really like him. And and Wesley Woodyard went on the, you know, radio and and talked about how, you know, the Rabel had a big ego and and stuff like that. And and people have run with that to kind of trash him since. But that goes completely counter to what we heard from guys like Kenny Vaccaro, guys like Derrick Henry, guys like uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Um, you know, there's countless numbers of players, Ben Jones, Taylor Lewan, like all these guys come out and they will go to the mat for Vrabel as the best coach that they've ever played for, you know, a guy that truly cared about them as a person, you know, got them prepared for games and knew what he was doing, all of this. So, you know, I, I think Vrabel certainly did a good job here um, during his time uh, as the head coach, as far as executing what you want a head coach to execute. Um, so I, yeah, it, I, I think some of the, you know, now that he's fired, it's easy for everyone to point fingers and place all the blame on him. You know, he's this big idiot, but I mean, we're two years removed from him taking a team that was severely injured for most of the season to the one seed, uh, you know, mm-hmm. without Derrick Henry and without, you know, all, all these other pieces that, that were banged up over the back half of that 2021 season. We're only two years removed from that. I mean, he won coach of the year and everyone was, you know, singing his praises and, and you know, over the moon about him. So I don't think Mike Vrabel got stupid in two years. Uh, I think there's just roster that fell apart around him. And, you know, that's that's what happens. It, good coaches with bad rosters are usually bad football teams. I, you know, I'm sorry. There's not miracle workers um among the coaching ranks uh for the most part there's some that are better than others obviously but uh you know uh, you can't take a roster with no real talent and build them into a, a super bowl contender that just doesn't happen no it definitely does not let's talk new guy brian callahan uh was that one uh expected for a lot of people that cover the titans that are close to this franchise and was a surprise he was on my short list um, going into as soon as they they announced they were firing Vrabel, you know everyone kind of puts together what what uh, what do the lists look like uh, as far as who's out there who could be intriguing to them and Callahan was in my top three from the start, um, you know I, and I had Ben Johnson kind of circled as my number one target for them specifically. I, I never thought they'd get in on the Belichick thing or the the Harbaugh thing because look if you're going away from Mike Vrabel. And you are wanting, you don't want him apparently because he could not play well with others. Jim Harbaugh ain't going to play well with anybody, right? Like, if no. Jim Harbaugh comes to your team, it is the Jim Harbaugh show, mm-hmm. and everyone get out of his way because it's going to be his way or the highway. And, and that just wasn't going to fit with what Amy Adams Strunk wants to build in Tennessee. So I, I never thought they'd get in on that. Same thing, really, for Belichick, too. 
Um, so I figured they'd go with somebody who was a little bit on the younger side, maybe uh, you know more willing to play ball, so to speak, uh, with Rand Carthon and, and the rest of the, the front office there. Um, and so Callahan was on my short list. And, of course, once Ben Johnson, it became apparent that he really wasn't interested in the Titans job. And, and turns out he really wasn't interested in any jobs this cycle again, which is just an odd situation to me. I'm, I'm still pretty shocked that he did not. Uh, take a swing at, at trying to become a head coach. Um, but Callahan to me ended up being the, the my top choice. And, and I kind of thought it was the direction that they would go because it was an offensive coach. Uh, you know, usually if you fire a defensive coach, you know, most teams end up hiring an offensive coach or vice mm-hmm. versa. You know, you try to fix the problem that the last guy couldn't solve. Um, and, and Callahan brings that to the table. He's a, he's known as a quarterback's guy, which I think is important when you've got a young quarterback like Will Levis that you want to develop and get something out of. Um, and regardless of your mileage on Will Levis, like, you know, some people like him, some people don't, uh, you know, there, there's a wide varying of opinions on him. I think he flashed enough this year that at the very least you need to see what you can get out of him in 2024. So I think that's got to be the game plan going into this year is, is get Callahan in, let him work with him, let him mold him, see what he can do in year two. You know, Callahan's already talked about, you know, it'll be different for him this year because he's going to be able to get all the reps in training camp and OTAs. He's going to be, you know, the starter all off season. And and that's kind of set, you know, at this point. So, I'm excited to see what what Callahan can do with with Levis and um, you know his experience working with you know Peyton Manning and and Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow and you know the fact that he grew up around his dad and hanging out with with Rich Gannon uh, with the Raiders and and things like that. I mean this guy's been around some really good quarterbacks and has picked up a lot of things. And when he talks, Will Levis should be listening because you know this guy this guy comes with a, a hefty enough. Um, resume and, and Rolodex that that you know he has he has instant credibility to me, especially with the quarterback position. So I, I'm certainly uh, I'm not surprised that they went this direction, but I'm I'm very happy that they did because I think this is a good hire. I think Callahan's a good head coaching candidate, and and I'm excited to see what he does here. And I know in his uh, introductory press conference, talked about he will call the plays. You yeah. think there should be any concern? I mean, this is the first time he will be doing that as a as a coach because there at Cincinnati, Coach Taylor, he was the play caller. So, any you think any concern with that? The first time Callahan's going to be calling plays. Uh, you know, I could see there being some concern just in the fact that you know, look, it, it's a being a head coach is a big job. You're in charge of a lot of stuff that he's never had to do before. You know, and, and especially on game day, like I worry about it a little bit uh less you know maybe during the week because you know it's going to be largely the same for him during the week as far as putting together the game plan and things like that because apparently you know if you listen to zach taylor or really any report around cincinnati callahan had a huge hand in building the game plan the offensive game plan every week you know he was not the play caller in cincinnati but that doesn't mean that he wasn't really given full offensive coordinator responsibilities during the week. The biggest difference will just be who is talking into the quarterback's headset on game day. Um, And so trying to balance that with keeping up with everything else going on in the game, you know, players that are injured that you need to get reports from the, the, 
you know, training staff on, you know, when to call timeouts, game management, you know, what you want to do if you get the ball back with, you know, three minutes left to go, you know, what you want to do if you, you know, like all the decisions that a head coach has to make to manage the game mm. in addition to calling plays is a lot to put on anyone's shoulders. So it will be interesting to see how he kind of handles all of that. Um, but I do think that it is an advantage to have your head coach be your offensive play caller because if if things work out, right? Like this is all contingent on if things work out. But if things work out, you, the voice in your quarterback's ears for the next 10 years, say say things go great and Callahan and Levis are here for the next 10 years, the voice will be the same voice year in, year out, no matter what. Like there's nowhere he's going to go. He's going to be here. Um, nobody can poach him and take him away and put you back to square one. He is the voice, and that relationship with Will Levis will be uh, the critical relationship for the Titans moving forward and, and figuring out what how far they can take this thing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles it, but I think it is a good thing that he's calling plays. Yeah, because that's always the flip side when you have a defensive head coach where your offensive coordinator may get poached, which Tennessee knows about that when Arthur yeah. Smith left to be the Atlanta head coach. I mean yeah. – I'm also t- there's also a lot of Atlanta Falcon fans around uh, this area. They're not too happy with what Arthur Smith <laughs> did in his three years, but I think people forget he was a really good offense coordinator. And a big reason why Ryan Tannehill had the almost the career turnaround that yeah. he had was Arthur Smith. So, oh, um, when you talk about Callahan, he, uh, he mentioned some of the quarterbacks, and I saw him mention it too in his press conference. He worked with Peyton Manning, he's worked with Matthew Stafford, and obviously Joe Burrow. But for me, something very impressive, the work that offensive staff did with Jake Browning when Joe Burrow mm-hmm. went down. Because this is a team you think Joe Burrow goes, okay, their season's over. They were still in the playoff hunt last couple of weeks of the season. They did a tremendous job with Jake Browning. You got to think if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, that should scream optimism on what he can do with Will Levis. Yeah, absolutely. And Browning, I wasn't a big on Browning coming out of Washington, uh, even as a draft prospect. I thought he was, you know, extremely average, um, you know, in pretty much every way. I was like, there's no way this guy's going to make it at pro. He had some performances uh, for the Bengals down the stretch that I was like, man, I mean, that, that, that game, I think it was a Monday night game against Jacksonville. Um, when he was like 32 of 37 for 350 something yards and, and two or three touchdowns. I mean, that was a fantastic performance um and to be able to coax that out of a backup quarterback who has like zero experience at the nfl level uh prior is really impressive um and and more so than that even you know joe burrow has a specific way that he likes to run offense and and the, the bengals to their credit largely tailored their offense to joe burrow his preferences his skill set everything uh, over the last, you know, five years since since they've been there, or I guess four years since Burrow's been there, um, you know, Burrow likes to get five out into the the pass pattern. Burrow likes to operate out a shotgun. He doesn't like to turn his back to the defense. He wants to be able to look at the secondary and see what things are, see what's happening, you know, rather than turning his back and to run, you know, hard play action that kind of thing. So they have tailored that offense to him. Well, when Browning came in. They completely changed the offense. I mean, the offense was not the same Burrow offense. They did go under center more. They did run more hard play action stuff. They did get more, uh, you know, kind of into their West Coast roots uh, that that Callahan goes has going back to, you know, his time, well, really his time with his father under John Gruden. Um, so 
they completely molded that offense and changed that offense midseason to fit their quarterback, which is impressive flexibility. Um, and the ability to execute that on the fly like that is really great. And it's not the first time they've done it either, because I mean, they had elements of their run game that just were not working uh, a couple seasons ago. And they completely changed their run game midseason and, and went away from what wasn't working and found something that did work and, and completely transformed that season as well. So, that staff has shown remarkable flexibility and and I hope and I think based on everything you've heard Callahan say, they're gonna tailor this offense to Will Levis and what Will Levis wants. And if Will Levis doesn't like whatever, you know, you know, isn't comfortable with, with certain plays, with certain elements, they're gonna take him out and figure out something else to do. So I, I think it's it's encouraging the flexibility and, and the willingness to tailor your offense to what you have as a team. Uh, particularly at the quarterback position. And that's that's really what you want your coach to be able to do uh, and, and have the most success. So I, I think Callahan checks that box, you know, with extreme authority uh, given his background and what they've done in Cincinnati. Yeah, you look, it's, this era of football, you do not want to be a hard-headed coach and running against a brick wall saying, I'm going to run exactly what I want to run. No, you tailor everything to what you have on the field. So they will draft at number seven. In the first round, right, I'm going to put you in that room. You're in there with them. They asked, they said, Mike, who should we draft number seven? Uh, where do you think the Titans should go with that pick? Man, it's going to be such a, a difficult decision um, because there are some elite players. There are several elite players that are likely to be on the board at positions of need for the Titans. Um and look, they're all on on the offensive side of the ball. Like this is a great draft on the offensive side of the ball. There's there's some good defenders too, but none of them that are you know top seven pick worthy type guys in my opinion. So I, I think that pick's going to go offense, and it needs to. That the Titans lack talent on that side of the ball to a large degree. Um, we all know about the the struggles at left tackle, and, and that's kind of the glaring thing. You know, Joe Alt and Olufashano are tremendous prospects. I, I think. Both of them would be among, if you went back, you know, five or six drafts, they'd probably be in the top three or four among all of the tackle prospects to come out over the last half decade at this point. So, like, we're talking about really, really high-end tackle prospects, and it's going to be very tempting to fix that problem for the next 10 years by just going and grabbing Joe Walt and plugging him in at left tackle next to Peter Skronsky and saying, all right, nobody's getting through on the left side from now on, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that, that is appealing to me. But on the other hand, you listen to Brian Callahan talk and, and what he said in the past about Jamar Chase versus Penny Sewell when they had to make that decision for the Bengals. And he has talked about in interviews, he said, I want the guy who can go make a play, who can go score a touchdown for us when we need a touchdown. And look, left tackle will do a lot for you. It'll help you. It is a critical element of this team as the Titans have found out and know better than anybody over the last two years, but they don't score touchdowns, right? Like, you know, so you you got an opportunity for like a Malik Neighbors, who is a massive playmaker, big time juice, speed, you know, every every box you want to check as far as a wide receiver, fantastic player. You're gonna have a shot at a guy like Roma Dunze from Washington, again, like 6'3, 215, prototypical number one receiver kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Those two, and then Joe Walt and Fashanu, I give me any of those four players, and I'll be happy. Um, but if you made me pick, 
I think I'd still lean the tackle just simply because there are wide receivers that are going to be available at pick 38, you know, even, even in into day three that can help you. And history tells you that you can find wide receivers later in the draft. You cannot find franchise left tackles later in the draft. You just can't, even though it is a good tackle class and there could be a guy at 38, like Patrick Paul or somebody like that, that could be intriguing. They're not going to be the prospect that Alt or Fashanu is. So to me, Joe Alt's my number one choice. Fashanu, I'd be perfectly happy with, but if, if Alt's on the board, give me Alt. Yeah, it's uh, it is you know with the NFL draft and the way college football has gone, there's so many guys catching passes, getting reps because of spread offense and receivers. There's every every year we I feel like every year we're saying this is the best receivers class of it's all time. One. It's a great and it's one just, year, yeah. And we just year to year we're getting these super talented. It, look, just go to LSU. LSU always has talented receivers, uh, mostly uh, over there. Um, yeah, they've got two that should probably be first rounders this year. So. Yeah, I still say to this day, I do not know how Les Miles did not win a national championship when he had Zach Mettenberger, <laughs> uh, he had Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham oh on the team God. together. So, Crazy. But uh, uh, finally, before I let you go, of course, Super Bowl week, uh, who do you like this weekend between the uh, Chiefs and the 49ers? I, I think everyone's going to be saying that this, saying this this week, but I think the 49ers are the better team. I cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They've been there. They've done that. They just seem to find a way in the playoffs every single time. Um, until they are beaten, I'm taking the Chiefs against anybody. So uh, give me the Chiefs and in, in what I think is going to be a very entertaining, very close uh, and competitive Super Bowl. So I'm excited to watch it. I think there's a lot of people that have picked against the Chiefs uh, in the playoffs against the Bills and the Ravens are probably not going to do it for the Super Bowl just for the fact is they don't want to pick against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in that group again. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting with the Titans. What what else happens here in the offseason, how they improve this roster in the draft. And uh, it's been fun, Mike, having you on talking all things Tennessee Titans. Uh, The listeners and viewers will check you out. Where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, check me out on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL and then paulkowarski.com for all my written work. Uh, yeah, come come check it out. All right, everybody, go check out all the work that are done by Mike. You're going to follow all things Tennessee Titans. And uh, once again, Mike, appreciate the time. And I hope we can do this again sometime down the road. Absolutely. would love to. And thanks again to Mike Herndon for coming on this edition of the podcast. We're coming back on Thursday. We'll have a big Super Bowl preview. We're going to preview both sides, the Chiefs and the 49ers. And don't worry. We'll kind of get back into some more some in-state stuff next week on the show. Remember, you can follow me on social media over at P. Jordan SEC. The podcast is available over at Wiregrass Daily News or wherever you get your podcasts. And from Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show and if you leave just four stars you were just a straight up hater you can also email me at sportsoffieldjordan at gmail.com check out all my written work over at last word on college football please check out the show on thursday we will preview the nfl championship the super bowl anyways guys until thursday bye bye thanks for listening to the philip jordan show subscribe to the audio podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts you can watch the show over at the philip jordan media youtube channel got a question or topic idea email the show at sports talk philip jordan at gmail.com join us next time for more great football talk